Welcome to the Cedar podcast on workplace mediation. To accompany our complete guide to workplace mediation, which can be accessed in the podcast description, this series will convene leading workplace mediators to provide practical advice on resolution for those responsible for addressing workplace conflict. In this first episode, we will look at the broad issue of workplace conflict with Gillian Caro, Cedar mediator, trainer, and facilitator. Following a successful career in international business, with one of the world's top companies, Gillian is now a full-time mediator and one of CEDAR's leading workplace conflict engagement specialists. Gillian, thank you very much for joining us for this podcast. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Ben. And I say conflict engagement specialist because your expertise in, in workplace conflict extends beyond mediating. And that is what this first podcast is all about, understanding the wider issue of workplace conflict. And it might seem like an obvious question and perhaps an odd place to start, but what actually is workplace conflict? Great question. So I suppose um, looking at the definition of conflict, and let's let's use the CEDAR definition. So that is an actual or perceived disagreement, dispute or difference, usually leading to an increased level of tension between affected parties. So that's how we would define conflict. And then just sort of situating that in the workplace, well, the workplace is between individuals or it might be teams who work together and it's not just employees it could be volunteers um, in for example faith-based communities as well so it has quite a broad remit mm-hmm. and i just want to kind of stress to the, to the people listening the sort of scale of the issue of, of workplace conflict um, and there's been numerous studies done from from institutions like cornell and and acas to sort of illustrate the problem do you have any kind of figures to hand that kind of illustrate how big an issue workplace conflict is? Yeah, well, you mentioned the ACAS research that came out um, in, in this year, in 2021, and it's the numbers are staggering. Mm. Almost 900,000 employees are estimated to take sickness absence each year as a result of conflict issues, and that costs about £2.2 billion pounds to organisations, so it's it's a massive impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I think it, it's good to start with a sort of a number like that, but we're going to sort of dive down into the, the detail a little bit more and look at the impact of, of workplace mediation on the individuals and, and what it actually looks like on the ground, yeah. because you know, that's just one big number, but for people dealing with these issues, you know, they're dealing with it on a day-to-day basis and they kind of, they feel a little bit more acutely. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so why is it important to tackle conflict effectively? And what are the consequences of getting it wrong? So we know from a number of studies, you've mentioned ACAS, and there's a CPP global study about workplace mediation. We know that about 85% of employees at all levels experience conflict to some degree, which obviously sounds quite worrying. But that's partly because I think we often think of conflict as something negative and unproductive. And I think it's really good to make the point right up front that actually conflict has a really important role to play in the workplace. There are different types of conflict, like the the Cornell research talks about, and it's about identifying the types of conflict and then dealing with them well and equipping our people to deal with them well that really makes the difference. And actually, it can generate some really positive energy in the workplace. So, for example, in the same CPP study, 76% of employees have seen conflict lead to something positive. 
So whether that's a better understanding of people, um, improved working relationships, leading to a better solution to whatever problem kind of contributed to the conflict in the first place. And even one in 10 would say that conflict resulted in the birth of a major innovation or new idea at work. So just right up front, it's really useful to say, look, it has its place, it has its benefits, it's about how to deal with it effectively. And where they have done formal conflict resolution training within organisations, people are more likely to find positive outcomes. So there's a real value to being intentional about how we equip people to deal with it. Mm -hmm. There is a but to that. Conflict <laughs> is absolutely necessary for innovation and progress people having the ability to you know to dare to disagree and, and challenge each other on ideas but if conflict isn't managed effectively uh -huh. and appropriately that's where we can get into some serious issues so from your experience Gillian what sorts of impacts does conflict have in the workplace so I guess I would want to look at that from three different perspectives the individual and then at a team level and then finally at an organization level and so the, for an individual level, I think there's a real spectrum from distraction, low level frustration, irritation about finding oneself in a conflict situation, right through to um, mental health issues being triggered, maybe depression, needing time off work. For some people that I've worked with, it becomes a huge distraction and so their levels of productivity really fall, but also it has a broader impact on the individual, not just in the workplace, not just their health, but actually relationships with family members are often affected. And we know that about one in eight actually leave their jobs because of a conflict situation. So for, for some people, it really does get to quite a, a serious point. And I think it's, it's important to recognise that although there's a, a spectrum, that not everybody is equipped to deal with that well. So some people find themselves in a conflict situation and feel quite pessimistic about actually being able to do something about it. Mm -hmm. So I guess at, a, at an individual level, there's some really significant impacts. And then thinking more broadly at the team level or for those working with those who are in conflict, it can become a direct or indirect focus of things. Some people might feel they need to take sides. It can create an uncomfortable atmosphere. I was talking to somebody this week who was saying that one employee has had to work on a different floor, which has caused all sorts of issues. And, you know, importantly, it, it can have a really adverse impact on good decision making, never mind reducing the possibility for collaboration and, and creative working. So, you know, there's some interesting research that says about two thirds of employees in a conflict situation have gone out of their way to avoid a colleague because of a disagreement. And we don't want that in the workplace. And then broadening it out finally to the organisation. So, you know, I've worked with organisations who are having to cease to exist because of a, a workplace conflict where you have two business owners and the relationship's broken down. But, but broadly, we've talked about the impact on productivity and, and focus. And then, of course, as things become more serious, resignation, additional recruitment costs, and, and perhaps even an employment tribunal, which we know costs a, a lot of, of money. So I think from those three areas, the individual, the team, the organisation, it can have a massive impact. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about tackling workplace conflict, there is obviously a space for dealing with issues once they've escalated and, and perhaps become more formal. But there's a tremendous amount of value of... Dealing, dealing with issues upfront, early and well. So why is it so important that companies try where possible to tackle these issues 
upfront and, and effectively? Well, I mean, partly it's it's what employees want. So we know from the, the CPP survey that the majority of people wanted managers to identify and address underlying tensions before things go wrong. So that's the first thing. But when, when the organisation is equipping their people to deal with conflict effectively, it's building resilience in the workplace, which is better for the individual, better for the team, and ultimately better for the organisation. We know from other research, for example, from the Journal of Labour Economics, that happy individuals are on average 12% more productive. And in my 17 years of doing this, I haven't met many people who are happy because they're in the middle of a conflict. But I think, you know, it's it's really important, again, just to make this point, and there's a lovely quote from Max Lucado who says that conflict is inevitable, combat is optional. Mm -hmm. And there's something about not just normalising conflict in the workplace and identifying where it can be harnessed for good, Mm -hmm. but equipping people to deal with it better. Because when people feel equipped, they're going to feel more confident, more courageous and more capable in working with conflict well, which ultimately is good for everybody. And certainly from the employer's point of view, where the conflict then spirals into formal procedures where they haven't been able to deal with it early on, costs were more than three times the costs associated with informal resolution. So there's benefits all around dealing with it well and as early on as possible. Yeah, and when we talk about dealing with conflict well and early, the skill is in being able to diagnose it, identify it and tackle it. So from your experience of both working in organisations and then helping individuals, teams and organisations address conflict, whether that's with facilitation, with coaching, with workplace mediations. What are the typical workplace disputes that you handle and and, and your colleagues and and what are the sort of causes of these disputes? Well, the, the three most obvious causes that have been identified are, first of all, personality clashes and warring egos and then stress, and then heavy workloads. Mm -hmm. And my experience is that a lot of times, by the time it gets to mediation and I'm asked to get involved, there will typically have been some sort of formal procedure, like, for example, a grievance procedure. And a grievance policy was developed to create a clear pathway for employees to raise concerns and have them looked at fairly and consistently. And that's really, really important. However, sometimes pressing that grievance button often closes down that informal communication that can be so important for making things work. And I remember doing a mediation recently where there had been a very, very good working relationship. Something had happened. It then went formal and just that possibility of them sitting down and working it out between them early on before things had escalated just dissipated. And I think some of the challenges about a grievance procedure is that it's often a binary outcome Mm -hmm. and then nobody feels satisfied because some parts are upheld and others aren't. But it also raises expectations that an outcome will be fair and dealt with quickly. And for a whole host of reasons, that often isn't the case. So you've got those increasing levels of uncertainty and frustration and escalation. Now, it's not always like that with the grievance procedure, but by the time it gets to me, that often plays a really important role. So that's one element that I think helps to foster that escalation and that difficulty. But another theme that I see in my work are words like bullying and harassment Mm -hmm. being used. Mm -hmm. And I think people who don't feel equipped to talk about something that they find difficult or upsetting then it escalates into something bigger and that makes it much harder to, to deal with. 
So bullying and harassment is something that you you see come up quite a lot in workplace disputes and conflicts. Yes, and can I just say a wee bit more yeah. about that? Because those words are very, very powerful words. Yeah. And one of the things that I try and do is go beneath what is those words mean mm-hmm. and trying to understand what has happened. And often there will have been something said that has been misconstrued or misunderstood that then sets people on a path where eventually they get to the point where they're really demonising one another, the trust has broken down, good quality communication is no longer there and it becomes then, it seems to be almost impossible to resolve. And people come to me, whether they be commissioners like ER professionals or HR professionals, and they're often very pessimistic about the possibility Mm -hmm. of actually trying to get a resolution. And I've even had cases where you know, uh, one party has accused the other party of trying to tamper with their brakes in the car, you know, as a way to get rid of them. So even to that degree, but there is a real value in helping people really get underneath what has gone wrong. And often the anger is from a deep disappointment about a trust that they feel has been broken or not feeling valued or affirmed. And the mediation process is a great way to get underneath those really toxic words yeah. and actually get get to the heart of what is going on and look at what can be done to resolve it. So when we talk about those powerful words like bullying, harassment, trust and hurt, you know, we, we started the podcast by talking about big headline numbers about the impact of conflict. But actually, I imagine from, from your experience and also the experience of perhaps people listening to this who are HR, ER professionals, they see on the front line a real, a lot of hurt and a lot of pain and suffering on, on behalf of their, their colleagues. So, you know, there is obviously a strong financial case for tackling, for tackling these issues, but there is a real strong human element to it as well. Is that something that you say you've experienced in your, in your practice? Definitely, definitely. And emotions are, are really important. And as a mediator, it's really important to work with the emotions that are present. And often when I talk about a, a hurt and disappointment, they're often the secondary emotions and what's being presented is a lot of anger or outrage. And so it's really having the, the time to do the work to get below that in, and work with something that is more productive that's really important. And I think that's the real challenge for HR professionals, that often they're presented with something that is escalated and very emotional and also quite binary. You'll have two people who have had been in the room, had the same conversations, and go away from those conversations with diametrically opposed understanding mm-hmm. of you know what was agreed or or what was discussed. Yeah, and we've mentioned HR professionals and ER professionals a lot. When it comes to conflict, what are some of the challenges that they can face when trying to tackle you know workplace disputes and conflicts? Well, I mean, time is one because it takes quite a lot of management time, but also there's there's a bit of a challenge, I think, because mediation by its nature is voluntary mm-hmm. and a seasoned HR professional will know the value of mediation but can't constrain anybody to participate in that process. And I think that's sometimes a difficult balance. Trying to get the buy-in, is that right? Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, if there has been a very sort of tortured process up to that point, the party may not trust in HR might be eroded as well so they may be sort of cautious from that point of view confidentiality is another issue that I think is is a challenge how to talk about mediation effectively particularly if they haven't been through a mediation themselves and they're trying to describe it to a party and of course the mediator can help with that 
or you have a situation where one party is willing to participate in mediation and the other party isn't and how do they deal with that and then finally you know it is an investment yeah. and so there's the question about you know what's the return on investment of this intervention going to be yeah no absolutely and these, these topics that you've mentioned the voluntary nature building trust confidentiality return on investment and so forth. These are topics that we're going to expand upon um, in later podcasts, but I think it's important just to outline them at the outset. And then sort of finally, when we talk about workplace conflict, and it's often the elephant in the room in a lot of discussions at the moment, is the impact of of COVID-19 and not so much the pandemic, but what's resulted from it, which is a a widespread shift to remote or hybrid working. Mm -hmm. In your experience of of working with with organisations in the last 18 months or so, what have you seen to be the impact of, of COVID-19 and, like I said, a greater acceptance of hybrid working? I think this has been an enormous challenge and it's partly at one level just that huge uncertainty that there's been at a kind of global and national and local and personal level and sort of that's that's been a dimension on top of all the other usual challenges mm-hmm. of, of the workplace. But I think people having to very quickly work from home and perhaps be involved in in caregiving roles, whether that's sort of homeschooling children or looking after elderly parents. I think that's added an additional pressure on things. And when we're thinking about hybrid working or businesses wanting people to come back into work and for various reasons, that's become less attractive. Sometimes organisations are maybe not doing the best job at renegotiating some of those things and that's causing more of those frustrations or irritations to emerge. And of course, you know, with remote working, sometimes, you know, I've been working with people who have found themselves in a conflict who have never actually met in person Mm -hmm. because they've been working from home and one person has been hired during the pandemic. And so we haven't had the opportunity of those sort of watercolour moments yeah. or, you know, seeing a photo of somebody on their desk and saying, oh, you know, who's that? And just those little uh, cues that you have when you're in person, you haven't got. And that's true whenever you're looking at somebody on a screen and you're only seeing probably the yeah. top third. So again, those cues of a tapping foot or a shifting in the seat is, is maybe less obvious and I think that's all adding to the challenge as well. It might not necessarily be linked to the pandemic, but there is possibly a connection with there's an increase in, in globalised teams or the ability of teams to collaborate and work on a global scale. You've got teams in Europe and the USA and Asia all kind of coming together. And obviously people in different areas have different ways of working. There's different cultural considerations and so forth. So do you think that's going to have an impact or potentially have an impact on, on workplace conflict? For sure. And of course, there's a huge benefit to having that diversity of people from different cultures and different experiences working together. And for me, of course, the more that you can do about understanding those cultural differences and working with them effectively, respecting them, that's great. And also, I would want to say, being able to actually have those conversations about something that's happened that that you've experienced as as difficult, that's really, really important. And I think that particularly when we're working in remote teams where we haven't had the opportunity to meet in person, I think being able to have those conversations is, is vital. And they've done some interesting longitudinal studies about teams and the importance of spending time sharing values, building up trust and respect those are things that really do help communication to have those difficult conversations. 
And of course, the challenge at the minute is the increased workload and stress is often squeezing out those opportunities. Mm -hmm. But it's it's really, really important to be able to, to do them well. And investing in the training, because that's sometimes something that also gets squeezed out. But we know from some of the research that 95% of people receiving training around conflict development has said that it's it's helped them and that's that's got to be a good thing no absolutely and i think it's a it's a positive note to, to almost finish on to say look you know we, we've talked about a lot of the negative aspects to conflict but going back to the point that you made earlier conflict really is something that can lead to a lot of good innovation progress and uh, bringing together diversity of ideas but it's about you know having a sort of framework and the skills within an organization to, to embrace it handle it effectively and I'm sure that's a theme that we'll pick up on on in future podcasts but Gillian thank you very much for your time today and I look forward to doing the second podcast in this workplace mediation series which is going to focus on the difference between workplace mediation and employment mediation because they are connected but there are really important differences that people need to be aware of so Great. thank you very much for your time Gillian thank you Ben